MMA Sucker Radio, the podcast that trains UFC. Don't mess with us. Selling three bricks of straight flour Got my man a beat down to the third power He didn't care, spent the money in a half hour Got some fish scale, rained on competition like a shower Got the coke cooked up, a crackhead Kevin Welcome back to another week of MMA Sucker Radio for your listening pleasure I am your host, Jeremy Brand And as you can hear, the intro song is missing you We've got some sad news for y'all tonight um, Trevor Duick, the host of MMA Sucker Radio, uh, is taking a step back from the radio hosting duties. He'll be still be on the site writing up stuff on MMASucker.com. You can catch him on NerdCoreMovement.com um, for all your nerd needs. But he is taking a step back for, for some family duties um, from hosting uh, the radio show MMA Sucker Radio. Uh, as you know... On Monday, September 9th, we will be rebranding the show Sucker Radio, and I will be joined by my new co-host, Ian Bain from MMAopinion.co.uk. So we're really excited about that. Also this week, we're really excited to bring you a really good show. Um, we have Gracie Mag's Eric Fontanez. He's the associate editor. It'll be the first time having him on the show. We'll chat with him about... Uh, the two fight cards that are coming up this week, as well as uh, some other stuff going on in the UFC. Um, so it, it'll be a pleasure to chat with him. And we'll bring on a local cat from Vancouver, BC here, who's doing a ton of his training with uh, TriStar Gym for us, Ahabi, George St. Pierre, and those guys in Montreal, uh, Gary St. Lion Manget, who will be taking on Josh Gao in the main event at Battlefield Fight League 25 on September 7th. So those two guests will be joining us um, later on in the show. But first things first, I just sort of wanted to chat about the week of fights that's coming up. Um, We have UFC Fight Night 27 this Wednesday night, a middle-of-the-week card, which I really, really like. I'm I'm super excited about it. Wednesday, August 28th will be the exact date of that fight card. The weigh-ins happen on Tuesday, which is today when I'm recording this. all of the fighters weighed in on weight, so they, they, they're they ready to go. The main card starts on Fox Sports 1 or here in Canada on Sportsnet 360. Features six fights, so uh, a lot of fights for you fans to watch. The preliminary card is on Fox Sports 2, but I believe it's also on Sportsnet 360 here in Canada, so you can watch all the fights from top to bottom other than the two Facebook preliminary fights. On uh, Sportsnet 360 if you're in Canada, Fox Sports 2 in the U.S., and Fox Sports 1 for the main card. But a pretty good fight card. We spoke with the main event fighters the past couple weeks. We spoke with Martin Campman and Carlos Condit. You can check out both of those interviews transcribed in article format over at MMASucka.com right now. Um, Myself, Jeremy Brand, wrote one up on Carlos Condit. And Trevor Duick wrote up the one on Martin Campman. So those two are up on the site. Um, I'm super excited about that fight. The The last fight went down in 2009 between these two guys. Um, Martin Campman edged out a split decision, as we've said in the past. And this card 
man, this fight is 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 going to be action packed from bell to bell. It's five rounds. I don't know if I see it going all five rounds. Someone, one of these guys is going to land a major punch and and eventually get the stoppage. Another exciting fight is the co-main event in the lightweight division. Donald the Cowboy Cerrone is looking to get back into the mix against Rafael Dos Anjos, so that should be a good fight. We got Kelvin Gastelum uh, making his debut at the welterweight division against Brian Mellencombe. Uh, Court McGee, another Ultimate Fighter winner, is on the card against Robert Whitaker. Takea Mezagaki is taking on Eric Perez. Eric Perez is making his return to the organization. He uh, was off with injury, I believe, a bit of a hiatus. And kicking off the main card is Brad Tavares versus Robert Bubba McDaniel. Should be a good little scrap there as well. So I'm not going to give any predictions or anything like that. Um, we'll go over the card in itself with Eric Fontanez coming up. Uh, but also on Saturday, we got, we're got we treated to two fight cards this week. We've got that fight on Wednesday, early start time for you people at work, 2 p.m. Pacific time, 5 p.m. Eastern time. But on Saturday, we've got UFC 164, the long-awaited rematch between Benson Henderson and Anthony Pettis for the lightweight championship. Everyone's been looking forward to this fight since the Showtime kick back in WEC. And I, I, I myself am extremely excited for this fight and am looking forward to it. it. Man, I can't even explain, can't even get words out there to tell you how excited I am for this. Anthony Pettis is fighting out of his own backyard in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, taking on the champ. Benson Henderson's looked to be on a different level in the UFC since making the progression over from the WEC. Anthony Pettis has lost... Uh, to Clay Guida, but he's picked up huge victories, and he was supposed to fight Jose Aldo for the title. He'd been promised to fight with the champion in the lightweight division for ages. Unfortunately, he got injured. He couldn't fight Jose Aldo, but luckily enough for him, TJ Grant got injured, who was supposed to face off against Benson Henderson, and he got the call. So looking forward to that. In the co-main event, we got two heavyweights, Frank Muir welcoming Josh Barnett back to the octagon. Um, I'm very excited for this fight as well. It uh, it could be a ground battle. I don't know if Josh Barnett would really want to take Frank Mir down to the ground, but but being the catch wrestler that he is, he knows how to stay out of the submissions and literally put on the submissions himself. So this is going to be a fun little scrap for those two. Five fights on the main card. Looking forward to this one Saturday night, August 31st. My fight of the night pick, if it's not the Benson Henderson-Anthony Pettis fight, it's definitely the one kicking off the main card of the pay-per-view portion, Eric Koch versus Dustin Poirier. We had Eric Koch on last week, and, and I'm telling you, this fight is going to be a doozy for the fans. So if, you, if you're not looking to order this pay-per-view, um, I highly suggest getting on it and, and, and ordering it because there are tons of fights on this card that are awesome. There's that Eric Koch fight that I just mentioned. Heavyweights Ben Rothwell versus Brandon Vera. Featherweights Chad Mendez versus Clay Guida. The heavyweights, which I mentioned in the co-main event. And the championship fight to seal the deal. So get on over there. Check it out on pay-per-view. And, and, and I don't see why you wouldn't order this thing. Other than that, there's not much going down this week in, in terms of news. We've We've sort of gone a week without any news because of these two fight cards and, and stuff like that. It's a busy week in terms of of fighter weigh-ins and pre-fight press conferences and all that kind of stuff. Um, so I'm not going to talk about any news. Let's just strictly get right into the show. 
He's making his return to the Battlefield Fight League cage on September 7th to try to keep his undefeated pro record alive against Josh Gao. Please welcome back to the show Gary St. Lion Manga. Thanks for joining me, man. Hey, no problem, man. It's been a little while now. No doubt. It's been quite a while, actually. Now, that sort of leads right into my first question. We had you on the show a couple times back in our infancy you know, when we had probably about 15 to 20 listeners. Um, we've grown exponentially since then, and, and you have as well. So just let the folks out there know that probably weren't listening back then how you got into the sport of MMA and, and, and your journey through as uh, up until you are right now. Um, just to kind of sum it up real quick is that uh, I moved up to Vancouver from a small town from Williams Lake, BC. I moved up to Vancouver to become an accountant, came here to go to school for that, but uh, there's something in me that kind of wanted to challenge my mind. Uh, my whole life, I was always, always told that I wouldn't really amount to anything. And anytime I wanted to kind of challenge myself, there was enough people around me to tell me that I wasn't capable of it. And it was just kind of, it came to a boiling point. I was at, I was watching Rich, uh, Rich Franklin versus Anderson uh, years back. And they said that Rich Franklin was a teacher, which was like, you know, I thought they were like karate kids where you're raised from birth to be an MMA fighter. And then once I heard that, I found a gym in Vancouver. And from there... It's been the hardest thing I've ever taken on 24 hours at a time, and it's never been an easy day since that day four and a half years ago. I think it's now. Nice. Now, you made the move from, from Vancouver, British Columbia, out to Montreal to train with TriStar. Um, what have you learned the most from training with the likes of Rory McDonald, George St. Pierre, Coach Faraz? Um, First of all, it was a dream come true. It was something that, like, you know, I've been watching on TV my whole life, watching TriStar Gym. Uh, through the UFC countdowns and everything. So uh, the biggest thing that I learned when I came out here was how to be obviously more technical and how to be a thinking fighter. Uh, everything is built over repetition, repetition, repetition. These guys rep nonstop. It's hours and hours and hours of beating on your craft, and that's what makes these guys what it is. They don't know anything more than anybody else. It's a matter of just a discipline and the environment you're surrounded by on a daily basis where – they're doing the same thing, but they're doing it just so much more, repeating it so much more, and where it's just automatically instinctive off anything that somebody, like, you know, if a move is pulled, they already know right away what's going to take place. Wow. Now, are you based strictly out of TriStar, or do you do you mix up your training a little bit out there in Montreal? Um, in Montreal, like, you know, I am a TriStar fighter. So, like, you know, I do fight under the TriStar banner now in Montreal, but... But like all the fighters, we do, like, you know, you go to the Montreal Wrestling Club, you go to, um, like, I don't do all my training under the TriStar roof. Like, we do our strength and conditioning at different locations. I go to the Olympic pool uh, for my swim workouts. Um, it's uh, a Muay Thai at, at, at a different place. But all the sparring, um, all the jiu-jitsu and everything takes place under the TriStar roof under Raza Hobby. Who do they have there that's that's in your weight division that you that you like to sort of um, roll around with the most? Uh, one of the people that I've spent a lot of time with, and one like that, me and him go back and forth in our best rounds. And actually, we've become he's 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 kind of become a Montreal mentor. Is Ivan Menjivar, and like you know, Yves Boyan and all these guys. And Ivan Menjivar is probably the perfect body type, and the perfect guy to be uh, to be imitating uh, the guy that I'm facing, and also. Uh, um, Ivan's fighting on the Toronto USC card, and he's fighting a southpaw, which is what I am. So, so, so that way we've been working off each other a lot, and it's it's one of the greatest honors to be training with a guy like that, and be surrounded by all the other guys. But me and Ivan are the ones that 
probably sparred together the most, we trained together the most, and yeah, he's 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 probably my number one dude. Nice. Now we've we've seen we mentioned that you moved from Vancouver to Montreal. We've seen many guys change up their camps after after years at the same home. For example, Gray Maynard moving from Extreme Couture to AKA. Um, do you think this is an essential part of training, sort of to get away from the same tendencies within one place? It is, man. It is. It's it's the greatest advice I like. You know, I've been told is uh, comfort zones kill dreams and. I was getting too comfortable in Vancouver, uh, outside the gym, inside the gym at times, like, you know, being surrounded by the city, being surrounded by the hype and all this stuff. Out here, it completely humbles you because you are constantly in discomfort, especially when you come from out of town. There's so many guys that come out of town here and everyone goes to that same same phase where they know nothing. Like, you know, this is a French-speaking town and, uh, and like, you know, if you don't know French, so that right there kind of causes an uncomfortable vibe right there. And... um just everything around me like it's not just the battles that take place in the gym it's a lot of battles that take place outside how to handle life here how to situate yourself and it is a big part because it makes you grow mentally uh stronger and spiritually stronger and that's one of the biggest things and for me it's probably one of the best things because when i go into this fight i think of all the sacrifices i think of everything i've been through out here that many people will never know about and it is a big part for me, especially as a warrior mindset it's a huge thing that's cool to hear man now um you fought your amateur career with Battlefield Fight League as well. Um, we, you're coming up to Battlefield 25 on September 7th. Are you at all surprised that the organization has hung on this long? Not anything against them at all, but you know we've seen plenty of uh, lower mainland local BC promotions come and go. Yeah, well, like I'm not surprised that Battlefield hung around because they did it right. The thing is, they... They put production in, and I think that's the biggest thing in the MMA game if you watch UFC. The reason the UFC stands out, I think, more than anything is because of their production of how how everything flows nicely. There is no, um, like, you know, there's good intros, everything like that. I think it makes it, it's what you have to have to make a complete show. As much as you may have good fighters and everything, you got to make the show entertaining, got to build a story behind a fighter, you got to market behind a fighter, and that's something that, that Battlefield has done well, and that's why I've always stayed loyal to Battlefield is that since my amateur days, uh, they built me up, they gave me a market, and now bringing me into the pros, it's really cool that I can train out in Montreal, but yeah, um, the market that they've grown around me is in Vancouver, and it, it's cool how they did it, and I think that's why they stuck around, because their production is so legit. Yeah, speaking of the marketability, I mean, we've seen guys like yourself, um, Micah Brakefield, Jeremy Kennedy, these guys, all amateur-based fighters here in Vancouver, B.C., they weren't even pro at the time. You guys weren't even pro, and you guys were known way more than the professional fighters. Yeah, I know, and that was that was a big thing. The way that they marketed the amateurs was a huge thing, and um, yeah, it's just the way the Battlefield did it. They built it up, and uh, it's because of the whole scene, because of the pro MMA scene wasn't really allowed, and uh, now that it has been, all those amateur fighters that were marketed just kind of transition over. Exactly, yeah. Now, you're 4-0 as a pro with three of those victories coming under Battlefield, as we mentioned. One of them was with India's Super Fight League. Just tell us about that experience. Um, that was definitely my moment for life uh, so far. Uh, it was completely different than any Battlefield experience I've had because that's all I had to live off of was really what I've seen with Battlefield. Like, you know, from everything from the weigh-in, seeing how many people show up at the weigh-in to the crowds that show up now. When we weighed in at, uh, for the Super Fight League, it was in a mall. It was a four-story mall. Every floor was packed. I'd say there was at least 
2,000 people at the weigh-ins, and wow. they were like, you step up on the scale, and camera flashes just blinded. And it was just uh, people screaming, hollering, and it was such a mixed crowd. It wasn't all it wasn't all males. It was a lot of females out there, and it was a lot of media, and it was a lot of different things. But then the fight day, uh, there was a lot of pressure because they love to run politics uh, coming in India. So I was facing a guy from China. So like, you know, India, China kind of politics. They ran it in the newspapers. The people that run uh, Super Fight League had a lot of uh, newspaper hookups, a lot of networks. So they, the biggest newspaper publications, like, you know, how we have the Bancor Sun. They had Times of India, which runs all over India. They had the Hindustan Times. All of those had our had our faces on the um, on the front pages was all the Bollywood industry and stuff like that. So it was they marketed it like it was unreal. It was uh, it was a surreal thing. Walking out to twelve thousand people, the arena was made for nine thousand. They packed twelve thousand in there, and just to hear the crowd go off when I got that first takedown, um, I've tried watching on TV. It doesn't justify whatsoever. The closest thing was I watched like. Uh, gladiator in theaters and kind of when maximus he walks out it was it was the closest thing i could feel to that wow and uh it was unreal man it was sent chills on my spine in the middle of the fight usually i don't even hear the crowd because i'm so zoned in but i heard it every single time and i fed off of it and it was, was it, it was a crazy experience well why did nothing else come of that why why did you not fight again for super fight league um the biggest thing was we were going back and forth negotiating a contract i didn't like the contract stipulations more than anything. Like, I don't really want to say anything bad about them because they're a good league and, like, you know, they're bringing MMA into India and stuff like that. But as far as what my dream is and what my game plan with this MMA career is, it wasn't going to allow it to happen. And, uh, and yeah, so I, I, like, you know, it was it was really tough. We went back and forth for six months. Then we didn't talk for a couple months. Then we went back and forth for three more months. And it always came up to the same result. And, um, for me, I want to become the first South Asian in the UFC, and it wasn't gonna ha- it wasn't gonna be allowed to happen if I stayed with Super Fight League. That was the problem. Okay, yeah. Now let's get on with this fight that's coming up on September seventh. Um, you haven't fought in front of your sort of hometown of Vancouver, British Columbia, Lower Mainland, since your last amateur fight, which was Battlefield Fight League two in twenty ten. How cool is it to be able to fight as a pro in Vancouver? It's it, it's a crazy. Uh, it's it, I'll tell you right now. I've had insomnia for almost three and a half weeks now, man. I'll be honest with you guys. Like you know, every inch of stress and nerves and everything is going on. Like you know, I, I can be honest about it. That, but the thing is, I've never trained this hard. I've never put in so much time. I've never put in so many hours. I've never drilled so much because that's the only way I can combat these nerves and this insomnia is to just kill myself in the gym. And the thing is, the last time I was at that same arena at River Rock, was just, I was main event and I won the featherweight title as an amateur. Now main eventing as a pro, is, it's almost kind of become my home arena for now. And uh, it's really cool to be coming back a few years later and be coming back to the same arena. Because I remember how it feels. That's the thing. I remember I love the environment in there. I like how it's kind of closed off. It's not a huge crowd. It's a very cool vibe in there. No kidding. Now, they're dubbing this event sort of Canada versus America. Um Josh Gao, I don't know if, if you know much about him. Like, Have you been able to pick up anything about your opponent? Have you been able to train and game plan for this guy? Have you seen many of his fights? Honestly, not much. I really kind of browsed over some old footage that I found on YouTube. Uh, I know that he fought just currently, like, you know, just a month and a half ago or something, and it was a quick fight. Seems like most of his wins come from... Uh, he has a 
submission game. Uh, the biggest thing for me is I don't really study opponents as much. I study more myself and find my weaknesses, and that's what's been working for me lately, is kind of just picking myself apart before the opponent picks me apart. And it's been working for me, and I know a lot of fighters that try to do the same thing as much as they say they study tape. It's you pick yourself apart more than anything, and you make sure you cover your bases, and from there, you just try to become a well-rounded fighter, and doesn't matter where the fight goes. Doesn't matter what happens. You're ready for everything. I have enough good training partners in every aspect of martial arts to have been put in pretty much every situation, and uh, to know how to get out of it. For sure. Now you you've I know from watching you that your your stand up game is is pretty good. You like to throw those head kicks. They come out of nowhere. Um, but two of your your pro victories have come via submission. We spoke that Gao's victories have both come via way of submission as well. Do you think fans can expect a ground war out of this? Um, uh, uh, I would say it's gonna be pretty mixed. Like you know, like I'll figure it out in the first two minutes of that fight <laughs> or in the first minute, right? Um, uh, it'll be pretty mixed, man. Like you know, you see. You watch a lot of TriStar fighters. Some of our fighters keep it standing. Some of us keep it on the ground. Some of us keep it back and forth. I've really trained everything. I really have. I've, I, and that's what I'll keep doing after the fight. Um, I try not to come in there one-dimensional anymore. Because the thing is here, you have, to be, you have to be very different dimensions in order to even land combinations on some of these guys in sparring. So you have to think one step ahead. So when you're training with the same guy over and over and over, you're always having to think a step ahead, you become a totally different fighter without even knowing it, without stepping out of the gym. So right now, I don't even know what kind of fighter I am now anymore. Um, but you never know, right? Uh, it could be ground. I don't really think it would be, but uh, well, I don't know, man. <laughs> that's, that's interesting to hear, though, that you say you don't even know where you're at as a fighter because um, – I, I got a few more questions here for you. I know at TriStar there's a lot of mental preparation, and obviously that would get you focused on on you and how you are as a fighter. So, what mm -hmm. visions have been going through your head since we are just a few weeks out from the fight? Um, we're actually only seven days. Oh no, I mean, yeah, we're like ten days out. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I all the visuals, like you know, the thing is. When you visualize things, you have to put yourself in the worst situations in your head, and you got to figure things out. Um, so I've had visuals from everything, from, like, you know, uh, me being on my back, how I'm going to pull a submission, from me being on top, from changing levels. It's just when you guys, when you guys see me, you guys will see a different fighter. And even the biggest thing I guess I can tell you guys right now is speed is going to be a huge factor in this fight. It's going to be the biggest thing. It's, well, for me personally, speed is going to be a huge thing. Um, I've, I've, I've capitalized on my speed here. I move fast. I move on different levels. I move on the ground fast. I move on top fast. I move standing fast. Uh, that's my biggest thing is push the pace. Speed is going to be a huge factor. Nice. Now, if you win at Battlefield Fight League 25, you'll be 5-0 and in your professional career. Um, what do you think is next for Gary St. Lion Manget? I mean, 5-0 and in a career, that's a, that's a big step going undefeated in five fights. Do you think Battlefield Fight League has what it takes to give you an opponent that, that's going to let you reach that next potential? Um, I think Battlefield definitely has it. Uh, not really sure who, but the biggest thing for me is, like, you know, focus on the next fight more than anything first. Uh, don't overlook it. Get that 5-0. and 
and then we'll see what kind of opportunities pop up. I know there's a lot of things going on with the India market and stuff like that for MMA. I definitely want to be part of that. That's been my goal since day one. I've never hit that fact. Um, with Battlefield, as far as uh, Battlefield of Cologne are concerned, I think, like, you know, I know there's a lot of up-and-coming guys. I don't really keep tabs on a lot of guys. I don't really watch a lot of guys. I know there's a big bantamweight division from the amateurs to the pro, and a lot of the amateurs are coming up, and uh, there is good guys all around. Like, you know, I'm kind of not keeping up with the scene too much. I just kind of focus on the opponents that are given to me. I don't really call out guys. I just focus on myself, and Battlefield gives me opponents, and I wait for it. Yeah, now, obviously a guy that you do know, um, he's been not on your radar, but you've been on his radar since your amateur career, is Jeremy Kennedy. And I've heard Battlefield Fight League President Jay Golshani say that he would like to see you and Kennedy face each other for a title if both of you guys are victorious. Is this a, ti- is this a fight that piques your interest? If it piques the interest of fans and Battlefield and stuff, uh, yeah, sure. It's uh, it, it seems like people, like, like, I don't know how much people have wanted it, but uh, I know that it's been the talks of uh, of a few people, and if it makes sense for them, it will be. I don't, I'm not too sure what Jeremy's record is right now. Like I said, I don't really keep up with the scene too much. I just hear names and uh, kind of just kind of keep quick tabs on it. But yeah, if it makes sense for them, then it makes sense for them. Nice. Now, finally, we do a column on MMASucker.com called Fight Music. Um, I just want you to give me a band or an artist and a song that gets you in the mood to fight or just punch someone in the face. Man, artist. Um, I listen to a lot of epic music, <laughs> a lot of soundtracks, like movie soundtracks. That's what I was doing right now. Uh, the biggest thing, let's see. Woo. Band. Oh, uh, Kendrick Lamar, I guess. It's not a band, but Kendrick Lamar, The Weeknd, Drake. I know those sound really cheesy, but <laughs> it is. <laughs> nice. He is Gary. <laughs> St. Lion Manget, he'll be taking on Josh Gao on September 7th at Battlefield Fight League 25. Gary, thanks for joining us. And now, just if you want, let people know where they can get a hold of you in the social media universe. Any shout-outs that you have, just feel free to do that now. Um, for social media, uh, follow me uh, on Twitter, at St. Lion. Yeah, just follow me on there. Uh, just follow the journey along. I just want to give a quick thank you to uh, TriStar Jim for taking me in, uh, Coach Faraz, Slahabi, all the pro fighters, all the best guys in the world. It's become a family here, and the way that uh, they stand behind each fighter is amazing to know that, like, you know, you got some of the best fighters like George St. Pierre, but yet you got guys like me up and coming, and they give that same focus that they would give a world-class guy like that. It's, uh, it's an honor, and it's amazing the kind of vibe and environment that is kept here. Uh, yeah, that's, that's the biggest thing right there. Is a quick thank you to Montreal, and can't wait to see Vancouver, and hopefully everybody comes out. Thanks a lot, Gary. Uh, good luck on the 7th, and can't wait to see you take on Josh Gow. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Great to hear from Gary St. Lion Manget. He'll be taking on Josh Gow, as we said, at Battlefield Fight League 25 on September 7th. Um, I really hear in his voice that he's he's a changed fighter, not only physically um, inside the cage or on the mats in training, but also mentally from uh, making the move from Vancouver to TriStar in Montreal. So it'll be interesting to see how he looks inside the cage against Josh. Um, all the best to him. Hopefully he makes it 5-0 and after September 7th's fight. 
Also on that Battlefield Fight League 25 fight card in the co-main event, we mentioned earlier with Gary Manget about Jeremy Kennedy. Well, he is in the co-main event against Jordan Mackin at 140-pound catchweight. Um, that's a fun fight, especially for fans who want to see Kennedy versus Manget. If Kennedy can pick up a victory and Manget can pick up a victory, then MMA Sucka's own Trevor Duick found out from BFL president um, Jay Gualshani that that's a fight that they want to make happen. Also on the card, Micah Brakefield returns to action against Jake Asher um, in the middleweight division. Uh, another fight that's going to be pretty fun to watch is Joe Parada's pro debut against Radley De Silva. These guys are kicking it off at 130-pound catchweight. And there is a title up for grabs on this card. It's the amateur featherweight title. It'll be against Oren Hanscombe taking on Andre De Silva. So that should be a fun fight for all you fans. This fight card goes down September 7th. Battlefield Fight League 25 from the River Rock Casino in Richmond, British Columbia. Now let's talk about some other fights. Um, this week's fights, we'll get right into it with Gracie Mag's Eric Fontanez after this. He is the associate editor at Gracie Mag. He hosts their famous show entitled Choke MMA with our good friend E. Spencer Kite. And according to his Twitter, he is a five-time student of the month winner in grade school. Please welcome to the show for the first time, Mr. Eric Fontanez. Eric, thanks for taking the time out, man. Thanks for having me on, Jeremy. I'm happy to be here. <laughs> now, first things first, we you weren't always with Gracie Mag. In fact... You know, you've done some work for MMA Weekly, Yahoo Sports, and a little blog that I don't really recall the name of about the time when MMA Sucker was first getting started. <laughs> um, just explain to our listeners what got you into the sport of MMA and how you got to, to where you're at now. Well, um, sure. I um, Yeah, the, the blog that you were referring to was nommma.com, and Nom was my nickname that, you know, went back to my hip-hop roots, and uh, that's a whole other story, but in terms of, uh, in terms of my, my MMA background, I've been a fan, a fan of the sport uh, for, for you know, a number of years, and uh, in 2009, I had the opportunity to uh, you know, take a lot of time to blog about it, write about it, you know, in a, a real free-form, nothing really too uh, constructive or anything like that, so I, I did that, and eventually... Um, started nonmma.com and, and started pitching to a number of different outlets and uh, futurereport.com is uh, where, I, where I finally started to uh, where my wheels finally started to spin and uh, since then like you said I worked with uh, MMA Weekly after that also did some you know, work for Gotham Sports and uh, currently you know, one of the editors of World Baseman so that's, that's kind of where this whole MMA circus started and uh, you, as, as I mentioned in the intro, you host Choke MMA with uh, Spencer Kite. How'd that come about? Well, um, my boss at Racing Man uh, came at me one day and said, you know, he's a Brazilian guy, and, and came at me and said, Eric, Eric, we, we want you to do something video-oriented, and uh, you can't do it on YouTube, Okay. I said, hey, man, whatever you need. So I, you know, I started trying to brainstorm and think, what can I do? 
that uh, that would help out our YouTube channel. So I said, hey, how about a podcast? But you know, I wasn't honestly comfortable with doing a podcast for my, with myself. So I called up ESK, and, uh, and he's always, I love that guy, because he's always down for anything. And he said, yeah, sure, whatever. And, <laughs> and that's pretty much the attitude he has week to week. You doing the show this weekend? And I'm like, uh, he says, okay, sure, whatever. <laughs> and so uh, uh, <laughs> we've been doing that for a few months now, and uh, you know, it's, it's done pretty well. We're actually um, we're going to start a new format starting this week, but um, uh, but yeah, it's uh, it's 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 been going well, and we've been having fun with it. So. Yeah, it seems like a fun little show. Now, with that, let's move right into the fights. We're treated to a a midweek fight card with UFC Fight Night 27, and uh, these Fox Sports One cards are going to continue to be middle of the week. Are you a fan of the change? Um, yes and no. Um, yes, because more than likely these cards will land on a week that um, doesn't have a fight card on Saturday, so I'll get my weekend to myself. But this week in particular, <laughs> we're not going to have that opportunity. We have two fights on, in, in, uh, in one week, one being Wednesday, another being Saturday. So, you know, I'm going to have to put in, put in the work on a Wednesday, late on a Wednesday night as well as late on a Saturday night, which is kind of a bummer. But at the same time, I really can't complain about my job because I watch people punch each other, kick each other, and strangle each other in a cage. For me. So, so I, you know, I, 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 I'm, a, I'm a fan of the sport. Um, I'm also a fan of having time off. <laughs> so... So, uh, you know, it, it, it's kind of like a double-edged sword for me. But still, you know, as long as, you know, some exciting fights go down, I can look back at it and say I had a good time doing it. Yeah, yeah. Now, the one thing I, I sort of look at is the midweek card, especially this week, I don't know whether it's going to be like this every week, but probably will be, um, is the early start time. Um, according to, to the news out there, the prelim portion of the card is going to start at around 2 p.m. Pacific time. Which is pretty early. I mean, kids will be in school at this time. Uh, people will be at work. Do you think this will hurt attendance much? Well, the thing I've noticed about UFC attendance is that uh, the time of day really hasn't affected it much. I mean, you could tell just by with the with these uh, press conferences and world tours that they've been doing recently. People will make their way out to these things. They'll call in sick. <laughs> They'll tell their kids that they have a day off from school just so that they can have an opportunity to see their favorite fighters, an opportunity to see Dana White in person and maybe get a picture with him, and, or maybe win some tickets to a fight card and things like that. So, I mean, it's a, it, and obviously, from from the outside looking in, you say, oh, well, it takes place at 2 o'clock on a Wednesday. Everybody's working at that time. But at, this, but at the same time, you know, having seen what I've seen, people, if they really want to make it out to, to see these fights or if they really want to see it, live on television, they'll, they'll find whatever means necessary in order to do it. So I don't think it's really going to be that big of a deal coming from tomorrow. No, no, for sure. Now, the the fight card is headlined by a fantastic rematch between Carlos Condit and Martin Kampman. Do you recall their first go-around? I do, I do. I actually um, watched their first fight the other day, uh, off and on. I you know, had it in the background while I was doing some other work, but... You know, what I remember of it, it was a nice sort of back and forth exchange between the two, and you know, it really justifies this being the main event for a fight card, whether it be you know, uh, something on Fox Sports 2 or something that's a big deal. I think it's 
that stuff should happen, uh, just because, you know, like, there's there's the history of you know, Carlos Condit's first fight in the UFC, and, and everybody had such high hopes for him, and then Martin Cameron comes in and puts a stop to that whole thing. So I think it's, uh, you know, there's a story behind this that goes more than just, uh, this is the main event for Fox Sports, or uh, UFC Fight Night 27. It's, I think it's going to be a good fight, but what's the last time. Yeah, now the last one was very close. Do you think this one will go down sort of the same, or has one man progressed more than the other? <clears throat> Excuse me. I, I think it's safe to say that Carlos Condit uh, has progressed more than Chapman, uh, only because of what you see on paper. Uh, Carlos you know, is a former interim welterweight champion, and, and he's, he's, already, he's seen the top of the food chain already, whereas Chapman has been not a necessarily a gatekeeper, but has always kind of been floating around the middle of the pack um, in terms of uh, welterweights in the UFC. So Carlos, obviously, he's fought GSP, uh, he, he beat Nick, Nick Diaz um, in, um, you know, in, in for the interim title, and you know, he's, he's faced Roy McDonald and, and everything. So on paper, it looks like Carlos has gotten more done, but that's not to take anything away from Mark Kent, because obviously he's beaten Carlos before, he's faced some of the top contenders in the in the UFC's 170 pound division. So, you know, I, if anything, I'd have to get the edge Carlos on that one, but not, not taking too much away from Marcus. Yeah, now, what do you think happens with the winner? My thoughts are that they either get Rory McDonald or Johnny Hendricks if he beats GSP, because I, I don't really see the winner of this getting an immediate title shot. No, no not, a, not a chance. I mean, Carlos... It, it, it's it's too it's too soon for Carlos, I think, still. And then uh, Martin still has some breathing to do, uh, especially with the way that Hendricks beat him um, the last time they saw each other. So, I mean, obviously, it's a main event fight. It's two of the best 170-pound fighters in the division. So, you know, it has some weight in terms of placement within the rankings, but I don't think it's going to get an immediate title shot. I mean, it, it, I, I'm thinking, I'm thinking um, maybe if Carlos wins, uh, you know, he'll he'll be the number number two, number three guy behind the number one contender. But you know, I no way in hell that this that, that the winner of this is going to get a shot at GSP or Benny Hendricks. I don't think. Are Are you surprised that that this fight card isn't getting the media attention that that it really deserves? No. No, I'm not. The thing about fight cards and the and the quote unquote media attention that um, that people talk about a lot is uh, it. We live in a day and age now where it's different from from you know the days of the newspapers where you know everybody had a nine o'clock deadline and you know, they, it was published the next morning. We work on, on the internet, now. and as as sad as it is. The internet only likes Anderson Silva, George St. Pierre, John Jones, and Ronda Rousey. And uh, when you got guys like Carlos Condon and Mark Cantman coming in and making many fights, although they are great fighters, they don't get the attention that, uh, you know, Anderson versus Chris Feynman would get, for example. It's just, it's a matter of, yeah, we can we could go in there and we could you know, write features on every single one of these guys on the main card, and we can break down the main event as much as we can, but the fact of the matter is, our traffic isn't going to justify the amount of time 
that we put into doing all those features and doing all those breakdowns and, and doing all those stories about these guys. And it's just a fact. The media doesn't doesn't stay away from covering guys like Carlos Condit and Mark Patton because they don't want to or anything like that. It's just because we can't. The, we post stories like that and the traffic in comparison to the stories we write about Anderson Silva and GSP, those completely trump whatever numbers we would do. And that's just a matter of fact because it's, it, that's just the way it is. More people are interested in that. I like that. I like that. And and you don't hear many many people actually say that straight out and and I'm glad you did. Um what are what yeah, are some it's a For it's sure, a yeah. Definitely. What are some other fights on this card that that sort of pique your interest? I myself um I'm really looking forward to Kelvin Gastelum in his in his debut at, at welterweight. Um and obviously the return of Eric Perez. Yeah. Eric Perez is, is a great fighter. Kevin Gastelum I want to see more of um, I, you know, being that I work for Brazilian Magazine, I, I had the opportunity to get in close with uh, Rafael de Sanos, um, ahead of his fight with Donald Cerrone, so that, that piques my interest, simply because he opened up to it, uh, to me more about it. Um, you know, the, the fight card is, you know, when you, when you compare it to your typical pay-per-view card, or, you know, or your, your Super Bowl card. It's obviously not the same caliber fight card, but still, it's gonna, like I said, it's punching, it's people punching and kicking each other in the face for a minute, so <laughs> there's a good chance you're going to be entertained. But the one fight I think uh, that sticks out to me is, is really Cerrone versus Dennis I like Donald Cerrone because before I really got into the, into uh, covering MMA, I was, a, I was a Thai boxing guy, and I love the way Cerrone fights. Uh, just with the style, his stance, and his, his, his killer instinct. And, and then, as I said before, the son was uh, opened up to me about the fight. He was really, like a lot of Brazilians, I know, they were really prideful about being Brazilian, being from Brazil. And he explained to me that, that one of the things that uh, that he shoots for, and I, and I know a lot of guys say this, is you know fighting for the title. But he said he wanted to be the first Brazilian UFC lightweight champion. Because there's never been one. Having you know done my research like a good reporter, <laughs> I, I verified that to be fact. There's never been a Brazilian champ in the UFC. So he actually wants to make that happen personally, and he wants to be able to represent Brazil with the UFC belt around his place. So I think he's going to come into this fight against Cerrone with wanting to be point, wanting to show that he's a guy that can really represent the UFC, represent his country, and everything. Uh, so I, I think that's there's going to be a little bit more desire in that fight than I think say another fight. Sounds good. Now let's move to Saturday. We have UFC 164 going down. Um, the lightweight title is at stake in yet another rematch. Um, this time between Benson Henderson and Anthony Pettis. Their first fight was probably one of the most exciting fights in WC history. Um, however, Henderson yes. seems to be on another level since coming over to the UFC. Do you agree? Yeah, uh, I think that Showtime kick really woke him up, and you know he, you know, and I know that's been said before, but I, I think it's been like seven fights since then, and, and he's really shown that he's at a pinnacle that not a lot of other guys are at. And you know, Anthony Pettis came over with the same height because you know he he was the last WEC lightweight champ and everything, and then he fights a guy like Clay Guida and gets out wrestled. So you know, I think. Uh, Pettis 
had a lot more to prove once he was in the UFC. And then Benson Henderson had less pressure on his shoulders, but somehow proved to everybody that he was the top dog. And, you know, he had two fights in a row against Frankie Edgar, top him, and, you know, had other contenders come in, and he's been able to, to defend the title well and, 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 and look good doing it. So I think uh, it's definitely fair to say that Benson Henderson is on another level than Anthony Pettis is, you know, post WEC now you said you said Anthony Pettis had a lot of pr- stuff to prove coming into the UFC. Obviously, he's he's got a lot of stuff to prove going into this fight. He's been promised a title fight for how many years now? Not just with Benson Henderson, but he was supposed to fight Jose Aldo as well, and then got injured, and now back up to fight Henderson because TJ Grant got injured. Do you think he's going to come into this like absolutely on fire? I don't know if he'll come in on fire. Um, you know, that's that's really difficult to predict. Uh, you know, I, obviously, Anthony Pettis is a, is a striker, like, uh, not like a, a lot of other guys in the sport. You know, he uses a lot of new techniques and everything. So, um, has ben, Benson Henderson been able to gain enough experience, spend enough time in the, in the gym to, to anticipate that kind of thing to where it's not going to look like? His opponent is coming in, no guns blazing. We don't know. It's it's tough to predict that kind of thing. But I know this. I know Anthony is, you know, a hungry guy. He wants to go in there and show that uh, his win over Benson back in the WEC days was absolutely no fluke, and he's more than capable of doing it again. Um, so I, I think it's going to be coming out on fire. Maybe, maybe not. Will it be a good fight? I think 100% guaranteed it will. Uh, now, the co-main event, a heavyweight match between Frank Mir and, and the return of Josh Barnett. Um, Barnett will obviously be looking to make a dent in the heavyweight division and, and try to make a climb and a run for the title. Um, we haven't seen much out of Barnett because, you know, he took on pretty much a no-name guy in his final strike force fight, and we haven't seen him fight since. Do you do you see him being able to make quick work of Mir, or do you think that Mir is going to be able to hang with, with a big guy like Barnett? Um, I, Barnett has never really struck me as a guy that's, that's a finisher on the feet. I mean, I think, and, and this is just going off of my memory, um, the last time he really finished somebody was, was Pedro Hizzo, and, you know, Hizzo was, you know, well beyond his time competitive, competitive MMA and everything, and, uh, you know, so it's, I don't feel like he's going to block Lesnar Frank here, like Frank here. You know, so uh, it will will it be a competitive fight? I think it will be. I, 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 I what I predict will happen was is Josh is going to use what he does what he does best. He's, he's going to, to catch Russell. He's going to put his hands on Frank, and he's going to uh, neutralize any type of stuff on the, on the feet, and um, and he's going to put him on his back and force him to use his jiu-jitsu to try to finish the fight, but I don't. And I think Josh is, is smart enough at this point in his career where he's not going to he's not going to let himself get caught in anything like that. So will he be utterly beaten in? Will Frank Mir be utterly beaten like he was against Brock Lesnar? No. Like he was against Junior Dos Santos? No. no. But I think Josh Barnett would be able to control this fight for three years. What do you think they do with Barnett after this? Then, if if he just controls Frank Mir and, and doesn't put on a, a huge show, does do you, do you think how how far up the ladder do you think the guy climbs? 
I don't. I think Josh Barnett has to do a lot in the UFC heavyweight division to justify uh, a title shot anytime soon. And that goes beyond, you know, what we think of Josh Barnett. I think that has a lot to do with his relationship with Dana White, with his relationship with with Zika and everything. Um, he's not going to be given everything that he wants um, coming coming back to the UFC. He, you know, we've talked about uh, fighters with a lot to prove. Josh Barnett is one of those. He, you know, he doesn't have the "I'm a company man" attitude. He really just doesn't give a crap about you know, what what the bosses say or what the bosses think. He just goes out there and does his thing. And you know, we've seen it with guys before who have this quote-unquote boring style. And I'm not calling Josh boring, but let's just take take for example the Mr. Frank. He goes and grabs him for three rounds, really just controls him, and doesn't do anything that makes fans excited. We've seen guys do that before, and then five, six, seven fights in a row, and still get no title shot. And I know that the heavyweight division, you know, it's there. There's a lot less in order to climb to the top than say, you know, lightweight or welterweight or something like that. But it's the the same thing will happen with Josh Barnett if he continues to go out there. Just grab guys and just, and just control them for, for, for rounds. Fans would rather see a heavyweight fight than a knockout. Yeah, that's that's the bottom line. They want to see guys hit each other really hard because these men are close to 265 pounds. Some have to cut down to 265 pounds. That's larger than the average human being. That's why the heavyweight division gets so much awe when guys are in the cage because these guys are just so much bigger than you it's, and they can do these things that you could never imagine you do. And so, but, you know, when Josh Barnett goes in there and grabs somebody, really just kind of controls them, I don't know, it's, you know, it's not, nothing, they're not going to make a fan out of Dana. Yeah. Uh, Dana White with, with performances like that, and you know that that's true. You said it publicly before Dana White has about fighters that do that kind of thing. It's just not true. Yeah, you're listening to Eric Fontanez here on MMA Sucker Radio from Gracie Mag. Just a couple more questions here before we let you go. Sure. Now, the fight that I'm looking forward to most on the card is the one that kicks off the pay-per-view portion. Um, Eric Koch versus Dustin Poirier. I, I believe that fight has fight of the night written all over it. What are you looking forward to most on this card? I, you know, not not to be a, a shill, <laughs> but I'm looking forward to the main event. I'm looking forward to Anthony Pettis and Spencer Henderson. And that's on, no, you know, I, the fight that you mentioned, Koch versus Poirier, is, is also a great fight, something in the featherweight division we really enjoy. But Ben and, and Anthony have history, and you know when you have history, there's so much more behind a fight than just fight value. There's there's a backstory. There's something that that really drives these guys to want to hit each other and things like that. And I was at uh, WEC 53 in, in, in Phoenix when when Pettis landed that kid. It was the, by far the most amazing martial arts technique that I'd ever seen in person. And when you see something like that, and then afterwards, see the guy that actually received the kick who lost, see him dominate the lightweight division after the fact, like like I said before, like he woke up, makes me think, wow, he really does not want to have that happen again. And Pettis, you know, being the guy that he is, wanting to prove so much 
um, being in the UFC and finally getting a shot, I think that is going to be probably, in my in my point of view, Friday the night. I mean, like I said, co-employee, great fight, also a great fight, members of Rita, that, that holds a lot of weight, uh, but Dendo and, and Showtime is probably going to be my pick of the rhythm. For sure. Now, because you're with Gracie Meg, I got to ask you one last question before before we let you go here. I wanted to ask your opinion on this whole Brazil versus Chael Sonnen beef. Um, after his victory over Shogun, we saw him call out Vanderlei Silva, uh, Vitor Belfort, Leota Machida called him out. Uh, what are your thoughts on this whole debacle? Chael Sonnen is the best salesman the UFC has ever seen, and in my opinion. Once Dana White decides to step down, Chael Sonnen is the perfect place to take over that organization in terms of press uh, conferences and uh, media appearances and things like that. You can let somebody else behind the scenes take over and do that, but Chael Sonnen is absolutely the, the he's game day guy. That being said, he knows when to turn it on, and he knows when to turn it off. He knows what's profitable. And he knows what's not going to drive the drive. So when he picks fights with guys like Vanderlei Silva and, and, and things like that, it's not that he hates Brazil. It's not that he has a true problem with Brazilians. It's just that there was such a tension between him, between him and Anderson Silva when they first fought back in UFC 117. This 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 general hatred of <laughs> Chael Sonnen came from Brazil because he would just talk shit about Anderson Silva and he chose to use Brazil as a scapegoat. It's not that he actually dislikes Brazil and has a problem with Brazilians. It's, it's just an act. And I've, I've met Chael Sonnen in person and, and spoken to him you know, off the record and, and, and things like that. He's actually a very nice person. <laughs> he just knows... He just knows when to turn that part of him on because it's showtime. The cameras are on, the, the, the money's to be made, the ratings have, need to go up, so he knows how to make those things happen. So uh, in terms of like wanting to fight Vanderlei Silva, it's, it's genius. First of all, Vanderlei Silva has like a horde of fans that love him and you know repeat everything he says as, as, you know, as gold. If Chael Sonnen sees that and says, you know what, I'm going to pick a fight with you, and I'm going to try to play the bad guy in doing so, that's going to make a lot of traction. Sonnen knows that. I think Randaway knows that, but still is emotionally reactive to it. Um, and it, it makes for, you know, it makes for a huge fight. It's just, it's, it's Sonnenism. Chael Sonnen practice Sonnenism. <laughs> and it works every single time. It makes the UFC money, it makes him money, it makes his opponent money, and it drives a lot of eyes towards MMA and the UFC, simply because Chael Sonnen does something. Well, what worked was you on this show today. Thanks a lot, Eric. Um, you're from Gracie Meg, Choke MMA. Just sort of give people, sort of pimp yourself here. Uh, let people know where they can get a hold of you in the social media universe, where they can find your stuff. Just let them know. Sure. You can uh, go to GracieMag.com. I'm, like you said, the associate editor there, or assistant editor, whatever, assistant to the editor, whatever you want to call me. And uh, you can follow me on Twitter uh, at Eric underscore Fontanez. And you can also follow me on Facebook as well. I'm Fontanez, and I'm happy to communicate with you today. Perfect. Thanks a lot, Eric. Thank you, brother. 
Great to have another member of the media, Mr. Eric Fontanez, on the show for the very first time. I'm sure we'll be joined by him again. As mentioned before, he is the associate editor over at GracieMag.com. So head on over there for all your fighting needs. Actually, no, don't. Head on over to MMASucker.com for all your fighting needs, as this is MMA Sucker Radio. But as I mentioned in the off the hop, we will be rebranding as Sucker Radio, and the show will be featured both on MMAOpinion.co.uk as well as MMASucker.com, and it'll be hosted by yours truly, Jeremy Brand, and Mr. Ian Bain from MMA Opinion. So look forward to that on September 9th, which will be a Monday. We'll be changing the show from Tuesday to Monday. Um, look forward to that. I'd like to thank my guests tonight. Gary St. Lion Manget, who will be making his return to Vancouver, British Columbia to fight for Battlefield Fight League at BFL 25 on September 7th from the River Rock Casino Resort in Richmond, British Columbia. I'd also like to mention and thank the aforementioned uh, Eric Fontanez for joining us and giving us his scoop and lowdown and insight on uh, the upcoming fight cards this week. Um, make sure you check out MMASucker.com on Twitter, at MMASucker. Check us out on Facebook, facebook.com slash MMASucker. Give us your like, do all that stuff. And uh, we got a contest that I mentioned over the past couple weeks. It's a writer search. If you want to write for us, hit us up tomorrow, Wednesday, um, August 28th, is the deadline. So if you're listening to this on Tuesday or Wednesday during the day, and get in your submissions, and, and you could be possibly writing for the awesome site that is MMASucker.com. With that, I'm out. I must have been out of my mind. Look at you. Why don't you do something with your life? (laughs) Sit around here all day. You contribute nothing to society. (laughs) You're just taking up space. (laughs) I mean, how could I be with someone like you? (laughs) Wouldn't respect myself. Please!